All right, well, hello, everyone. Oh. Merry Christmas, everybody. Don't even lie like you don't have your Christmas up. I haven't yet. I used to always be a stickler to wait till after Thanksgiving, uh, but I'm behind. I'm behind the curve. And this is why. You've got Christmas on the radio. And I'm just going to go ahead and put all my cards on the table because I'm going to need your help for a minute. Here's the thing I want you to know. There's no coincidence that the world longs for Christmas earlier than ever before. Have you ever thought about that? You see, it's because of Christmas that we can celebrate Thanksgiving. And the, word, the, search, the world is searching for the hope of Christ. They're searching for the peace of Christ. They're, they're searching for what Christ can bring. And so that is why literally we talk about Advent season. Well, Advent Sunday is not for a couple of weeks, but I would move even now that we can celebrate Advent. So what do I mean? You get your Christmas tree cakes, you put your tree up, your wreath up, and you give Jesus all the praise because it's okay. Why do we have to celebrate Christmas at the end of the year? We can celebrate it all the time, right? My great-grandmother used to leave her Christmas tree up all the time, and it became like an Easter tree. And like, you know how you used to have the vacuum cozies? My, my mama Hawkins, you know, and that's what she would do. She had like this thing that covered the tree. <laughs> it's great. I'm not that smart. So that being said, all the way through, I need you to tell two people today. You got to be active. Two people today. I need you to let them know right now. God sees you. God hears you. And God has not forgot you. Come on. God sees you. God hears you. And God has not forgotten you. God sees you. God hears you. And God has not forgotten you. God sees you. God hear you, hears you. And God has not forgot you. So many times in this world we live in, doesn't it feel like God don't see us? God don't hear us. And he's forgotten us. I mean, he sees us, but only like when Ho-Ho sees us, right? When we're naughty. I saw this thing that I, I was going to put in the house, and I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't be upset if you found it and gave it at Christmas. It's funny, but it's a picture of Jesus that says, I saw you do that, and it's like, he, I love it because that's the truth. Don't we just need that sometimes? Don't we just need that? I need it. Y'all pray for me. Pray for me. Because here's the thing. If you could have anything in the world, I want you to think about it. Everybody's getting their Christmas list ready. If you could have anything in the world, what would it be? Come on, get it down. Think about it. If you could have anything in the world, what would it be? Some of us, it might be wealth. Some of us, it might be health. Some of us, it might be a new house, a better house, a better car, a better job, a better career, uh, more kids, grandkids, no kids, uh, a new relationship, an old relationship, a, uh, a Christmas tree cake. The kids are eating them. You're welcome, parents. Uh, all the way through, whatever that is, if you could have anything in the world, what would it be? And now that you have that, I want you to think about it. What's the cost of that one thing? See, because to me, what I think it boils down to for all of us, if we really wanted to say if we could have one thing in the world, it's what we're going to learn through today. If I could have one thing in the world, it's this, just a little piece. Didn't the world use just a little piece? You see, that's what we long for. Uh, parents, you call it peace and quiet, but peace. You want peace. You want peace. You just want to go to the bathroom without fingers coming under the door, right? Like you just need a safe haven somewhere in the house. You know, you've got the good snacks hidden from your kids and you're just hoping they don't find it. Like that's where you are right now. But all of us are searching for just a little peace. And that's why we celebrate Christmas earlier than ever because we're looking forward to peace. Would we say that there's peace in the world right now? Missing. But yeah, church, that's what we get to share is the peace of Christ. So if you've got your Bible today, we're going to be in the book of Isaiah. Now, we're going to start in two places, uh, but we're going to be in Isaiah 11 today. It's an 18-point message. Uh, there will be a test at the end, and I expect you to know what page 55 of Systematic Theology 
Tough crowd, I don't even know what page 55 it is. Whatever it is, uh, wherever you are, we are going to dive in because Isaiah is so important for us. Isaiah, when we talk about prophecy, we talk about Jesus, Isaiah is the one who pointed to Jesus all the way through. But so many times it's great for me to tell you this, but it would be like me saying, hey, I've got a million dollars to give you. But if I don't give the context of how you can get it, it doesn't matter, right? Like if I don't tell you, but this is what you got to do, eat seven boxes of Christmas tree cakes nonstop without taking a breath, then maybe it's not worth it. But that's what we got to have when it comes to Isaiah. So let's get the context of Isaiah. So we're going to spend our time in Isaiah 11, uh, verse 1 through 6. But we got to start in Isaiah 6, verse 1. Isaiah 6, verse 1. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and get there. If not, we've got them free for the asking as always. I say it all the time. I'm so thankful for our Vine production team. They're going to make sure wherever you're watching around the world, it is on the screen. And as always, you can follow along in our Vine Church app. And you can see and take notes and all that crazy good stuff today. So if you're with me, give me an amen. I hear amens in the house of the Lord, which means we're ready for you to move, Jesus. So here we go. Isaiah 6, 1. And it starts like this. In the year that King Uzziah died. We're going to get to the rest in a moment. But some of us, that's the season we're in right now. See, for Judah... They're in this moment, the, the, the nation of Judah, the, the, the kingdom of Judah. Isaiah is talking and warning them about going into captivity. They've already seen the Assyrians go north in Israel, and now all of a sudden they have this king, King Uzziah, who takes after his father. He was called a righteous king. Now, he messed up a little bit at the end of his life. He tried to do uh, what the priests were to do, and so he had leprosy, and he has to die in the end. So before we say this all the way through, uh, understand that. But Uzziah is this righteous king, and Judah is excited. Isaiah is excited. They have been waiting for a righteous king since King David, 300-plus years before they've had a righteous king. And the righteous king is here. Is there hope for the remnant? Is all of a sudden we're going to experience the promise and the fullness of God again? Will we be delivered from our enemies? And he dies. See, Judah's in this moment of loss and disappointment and failure. And I don't know about you, but some of us have been in that season. Maybe we're in that season right now. And when it comes to this, we can be stuck in the year King Uzziah died. See, what Isaiah is about to point to in the rest of this verse is when you're in that season of loss and disappointment and failure, what do you look to? Who do you look to? Because it would be so easy to get stuck on that sentence. And I will tell you, for many of us, when it comes to our life, we're just like, well, God must not love me. Because I was part of this huge blessing, and all of a sudden, now it seems like a curse. There's no way that God loves me. And we stop right there in that verse. I know for all of us, I know for me personally, that's where it is. When we're, when we're in this moment, where do we look? And so as a matter of fact, I will share with you. It was this day three years ago, I got the phone call that all of us will probably have in our life, but none of us are prepared for. It was that my mom was going to die. Like there was no way around it. There was nothing else I could do. There was no hope. It was it. Like there was nothing else. Like it wasn't hours. It was minutes, minutes that I would get to see her. And so in that moment, the question is, what do you look to? 
So, so honestly, and, and, and it's, I'm so glad they're in there. <laughs> I don't know if I can look at my family in the face with this but, uh, and hold it together. I still may not. So what ends up happening is uh, this is COVID. There's FaceTime. Uh, I get a FaceTime set up. Olivia and Tim get there, and all of a sudden, they want to get to my mother's mother and her brother, and they tore up their car to get there. Like, it's still tore up. The car that they're still trying to get fixed, the Audi, they tore it up ripping there. They call Alex. Alex comes over to my house, and I've never, I don't even know if I've ever said I'm sorry for this, but it was okay. I'm so thankful for the grace you had. Alex comes to my house, so I'm not by myself, and I go outside and I say, Go home. I got this. Like, it was one of those moments, like, if you know me, I'm a lick my wounds in the corner kind of guy. Like, I just, in that moment, I couldn't process. And so I was in this moment of loss. All of us will face this. We're going to have a moment of loss. And the question is, What did I turn to? I'm thankful that I had family. I'm thankful that our church family was there. I'm thankful that I didn't walk through it alone, but so many of us right now may be stuck in that season when King Uzziah died and we're mad at God and we're angry at God and we're stuck and we think that he has forgotten us and that he doesn't see us and there's no way that he hears us. But you see, the thing I love is this time of year, my mama loved Christmas. Holy cannoli, she loved Christmas. I will tell you there was one holiday, and I would say it's true for almost all of our parents. No matter how we grew up, Christmas was special. It's special. They do everything you can to make it special. Every other holiday can stink, but Christmas, man, Christmas is going to be great. Uh, she not only loved to have Christmas, like we would have Christmas tree obviously up early uh, as all of us. We would Honestly, we used to put it up during the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That was what we would do every year. Uh, and my mom loved to cook. Uh, as, as many of us would say, uh, uh, as most of our moms would. And her, one of her things she loved doing at Christmas, we talked about this last week, uh, is sausage balls. Man, and they're better cold than warm, all right? You can say what you want to, but the cheese is soft. Man, you think Chick-fil-A nuggets you can eat and pop in your mouth? Man, you could go through 12 of those and not even know it. Now, everybody else will know it later, but you ain't going to know it. Like, it's going to come back later. Uh, it's called heartburn when you get older, but it's not heartburn when you're younger. Anyway, uh, get the spray wherever you are. So, that being said, we had that. She did peanut butter balls. She loved to do that. Ham delights. All of these things she loved to do, but she tried to make Christmas special. So, in this moment and in this season for this time of year— it's emotional, and I catch myself at times saying, man, I wish she was here to see that. But God reminds me that I'm not stuck in the year that King Uzziah died, because before my mother went to heaven, she did see this. She did see this. She knew the future that would happen, because she knows that God is a good God. He has not forgotten me. He sees me, and he hears me. So when I get emotional, and I'm like, man, I wish my mom could have been here to see my, my niece graduate, I, God reminds me, she did. Are you going to be selfish and wish that she was suffering here right now or that she's in heaven and you're going to get to celebrate it for eternity? Her life was a reminder. God sees me. God hears me. And God has not forgotten me. Wherever you are right now, uh, I want you to know that. Like, I'm going to watch Christmas Vacation, and I'm going to think of my mom right when Clark goes down the hill on the sled and Eddie goes, Cousin Eddie, bingo. It's either that or when they're shopping and, 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 and when they're shopping and Eddie gives the list and he's got it. Well, here's a list starting with Catherine alphabetized for everything the kids want. And he gets the old Roy dog food and Clark puts the, you're going to watch it when you get home. He puts lights on top of it and cousin Eddie just slams dog food and you hear the lights break. You'll miss that. You'll, you'll pick that up. Promise you. Not only that one, last but not least, when Clark says, uh, that NORAD has found Santa flying over the North Pole, and Cousin Eddie says, you serious, Clark, right? 
I'll think of my mom. I want to think of that. Now, anytime I think of Aunt Bethany, I think of my sister because that's where we are. We always think of that. So anyway, all that to be said, maybe you're like Isaiah. So we're going to go back to verse 1 there in Isaiah 6, verse 1. And we're stuck in the year that King Uzziah died. But look, 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 the verse isn't over. This is what Isaiah is pointing to. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, what does it say? I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and a train of his robe filled the temple. Do you see in the year that King Uzziah died, when the righteous kings of this earth fail us, the righteous king never does. And so all of a sudden, instead of being stuck in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah is saying, there's something better that's coming. As a matter of fact, I would challenge you today when we talk about Isaiah, you want to read about where Jesus is in Isaiah? Isaiah 52, uh, he talks about the cross of Christ. Isaiah 60, he talks about Christ's return. And Isaiah 62, he talks about the good news of the gospel. Read that and you will see that Jesus is all over that. What I love is, that as, as even though Isaiah could have been stuck in the year that King Uzziah died, I want to tell you, I have, I have led you wrong on one thing. The one thing we don't have to do is what Isaiah did. See, I said it was Jeremiah a few weeks ago, but it was Isaiah. Because in Isaiah 20, he has to preach naked for three years. So praise Jesus' name. We ain't got to do what Isaiah had to do, right? Praise his name. If that don't give you a shout of praise, nothing will. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to do that, and he hasn't called us to do that. But he did that to show Israel how they had taken themselves away from being clothed in the Lord. Wherever you are right now, this is what Christmas is all about. It ain't over. It ain't that the year that King Uzziah died. It's for the king that is coming, the Lord, high and exalted, seated on his throne, and his robe fills the table. He points to Jesus. That's what Christmas is about. Being in a helpless, hopeless situation and finding real hope. So if you've got your Bible, let's get to Isaiah 11. And I pray and believe that Jesus has something for all of us today. And let's look what Christmas starts out as being. So Isaiah 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. So this is important for us. So if you've ever read the Old Testament prophets, they're written in couplets. Sometimes it's rhyming couplets, and it sounds like they're trying to freestyle rap. It's not that. What they, it is very similar. But the reason they did that is back in this time, uh, you could not, many could not read, so they had to memorize the word of the Lord. And so when they repeat the same thing over and over again, we know that when it comes to our brain, if we repeat the same thing twice, we have a higher chance to remember it. So he says the same thing twice. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The stump of Jesse, that's where Isaiah 6 is. The stump. There ain't nothing left. God's forgot us. All that's left is that stump in the yard. We got to call somebody to grind the thing up because it's done. Right? That's where they are. But God says, I'm not done. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk a little bit about what tree that is. And we're going to see how even that tree as a stump bears fruit. See, that branch is what we talked about a couple of weeks. That is Christ, the vine. That's why it's capital B, John 15, 5. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That is the branch that is there. So as we talk about this peace today, I want you to know what Isaiah is pointing to. Number one is peace is a person. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. And that person is Jesus. 
It is what Christmas is all about. We talk about sleep in heavenly peace. When the angels come in Luke, right, they, they give the great tidings of great news of great joy. And on earth, what? Peace to whom all his favor rests. I think I just went NKJV. I'm sorry to read that in this NIV. But peace, peace, peace is what Christmas is all about. So when, when Isaiah is writing this, we always think of Jerusalem, okay? And Jerusalem, if you don't know, but well, you do know right now because it's happening in the world. Jerusalem is the most uh, war-torn city in the world. may not believe that, but it is. As a matter of fact, Jerusalem has been captured 52 times and recaptured 44 times. So what we're seeing right now on the television has been going on for thousands of years, and we think that it's brand new. But it's no coincidence that it is in the space and the place where God says that his people will be inside of his promise. And so Judah is now sitting here, and they think that they're a stump. It's all over, and they're about to go into exile because they turn from the Lord when they are stuck in loss. But this stump that Isaiah is talking about is an olive tree. Now, how many of us have ever had an olive tree in the yard? Me neither. Ruby, thank you. Me, I'll just say me neither. I haven't had one. But let me tell you about an olive tree. How hard is it to kill an olive tree? It's worse than kudzu. It's seriously, you can't kill it. As a matter of fact, when I talk about Jerusalem being a war-torn city, the first thing that most people do when they go into Jerusalem is they go to this mount. It's going to sound real familiar. It's called the Mount of Olives. You see, on that Mount of Olives, there's this garden on it. It's going to sound familiar too. It's this garden called Gethsemane. And what happens is when somebody goes to conquer the city, they try to burn down the Mount of Olives. They try to burn the olives down. Why? Specifically, I'm going to talk to you about the biggest thing that we would know when Rome captured Jerusalem and destroyed the temple in 70 AD. They would go and they would burn out the olives because the olives were used not only for healing, for medical purposes, but for cooking purposes, but for lighting purposes as well. So Rome thought, if I destroy the light, if I destroy the olive oil, then I'll destroy the city. But here's the thing. I've never been to, I've never been to Israel, uh, and, and I always talk about this. It's awesome if you have been. That, praise God, I'm going to be in the new one, so it's fine with me. If I don't get to see the one down here, I'm fine. I'll get to spend eternity in the new one. But if you go to the Mount of Olives right now, there are trees in there that were burned 2,000 years ago, and guess what's happening? There are shoots going up through them, and they are bearing fruit. See, what happens with an olive tree is it has deep roots and it continues to grow. Unless you kill the root and you get all the way to the bottom of the root, it's going to keep growing. Hmm. So nothing is wasted in that. See, that's what Jesus is telling us right now. Remember, Jesus says he's the, what, the bread of life. He is the light of the world. And we are healed through him by his stripes. We are, so all the way through, like you can see, this is pointing to Jesus all the way through. And so it's no coincidence when we think about Jesus that he goes to Gethsemane in John 17 before he goes to the cross to pray for us, by the way. And then he goes to the cross and then he comes off of the cross. And while before he went to the cross, he went to the Mount of Olives to pray. And when he ascends, what mountain did he ascend from? The Mount of what? Olives. Everybody said olives. Y'all missed it if you were watching online. Olives. Everybody knew the answer to the test. Olives. The Mount of Olives. It is no coincidence that Isaiah is talking about an olive tree that the Lord has not forgotten. So for each and every one of us, I just want to ask you, when those hard seasons and storms of life come, that loss, that failure, that disappointment, not only what are you looking to, but who's standing beside you? 
because that matters. See, no matter what, we sing about it. There's another in the fire. Yes, Jesus is with us in the fire, but here's the beauty of the church. He's also got us as the church walking with us through the fire together. He is working through all of us to share that peace with one another. So wherever you are right now, I just want to say whatever season you're in, don't miss the person of Jesus and the person that he is walking and working through so that you and I can experience his peace even greater, even deeper. So today, your prayer when you go home may be this. You may notice that you don't have the peace of Lord and you're trying to figure out what's happening. And I just want to ask you, maybe it's not the person that's standing behind you, but what's in your hands? What are you carrying? Maybe your prayer to Jesus today, instead of recognizing he's not with you, instead of recognizing and seeing the person so that you can see that Jesus is with you, is to ask him, what are you carrying that he called you not to carry? Because if he didn't tell you to pick it up, in the words of Elsa, right? Let it go, right? Let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. You see, in my life, so many times I kept trying to pick up what I wasn't supposed to carry, and Jesus is right there, and I'm mad at him. I'm like, Jesus, I don't feel your presence. Jesus, I don't feel your arms around me. Jesus, you said you were going to carry me. And he's like, well, dumb, dumb, how am I going to put my arm around you? You can't even put your arm around me because you're carrying what you're not supposed to carry. Understand that peace is a person, and that peace is only in Christ alone, which when we sing it, come on, we sing it back in the day. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, right? The prince of what? Peace. His peace he gives us, not as the world gives us. We're all looking for some peace. Verse 2 and 3 says this, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of verse 3. We'll finish verse 3 in a second. So what do we see here right here? This right here says that the Holy Spirit will be on Jesus. A lot of Bible trivia today. I'm sorry. I'm real excited. I'm, hi I'm hyped up. It's Christmas. VBS and RAs. Pharisee heart. Sorry. Awanas growing up. Come on, you know. Approved workmen are not ashamed. Come on, people. We know. Sparky all the way. Um, Jesus goes in Nazareth, if you remember, and in Luke 4, he's in a synagogue. Let me tell you, in Nazareth at that time in that synagogue, there were probably about 80 or 100 people. And guess who they all were? His cousins, his family. I mean, he walked in singing Hank Williams Jr. It's a family tradition. I'm just kidding. We'll pray for you if that's it. But you know the song. Don't lie. It's okay. Uh, it was a family tradition. And so he goes, and sometimes family is the hardest thing, isn't it? Because they know about you. As a matter of fact, I'm the baby. They all changed my diaper. They all saw me run around like Isaiah naked. So I know that each and every one of them know all the good, bad, and indifferent about me. And so he goes and he picks up Isaiah and he reads from Isaiah 58 and 61, and it talks about the spirit of the Lord. And Jesus says, the scripture today has been fulfilled in front of you. And he makes everybody mad because they say, ain't this Joseph's boy? Don't he got something to go with? Don't he got a table to build? He got a little farm table he's supposed to be working on. He's trying to tell me that the Holy Spirit is upon him, and that is why he says a prophet is rejected in their hometown. So what I'm saying is Isaiah even himself is pointing to the Spirit of the Lord. Sometimes you're going to have the peace of Jesus on you, and the hardest people to accept is going to be your family. Because they're going to say, for lack of a better term, I know the hell you raised back in the day. 
Let's be real. And then that's when we say, in spite of that, Jesus. In spite of that, Jesus. And I want to tell you, I'm not raised in hell anymore. I'm a part of building heaven. And that's what we get to share. So not only is peace a person, but peace is a presence. Now, before we get excited and we talk about Christmas, I'm not talking about the presence as P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. I'm talking about the presence of God. Isn't that just peaceful? I will tell you, sometimes I know it gets hectic and chaotic in here because, well, my circus, my monkeys, right? Like it's me. I'm the one, I'm the ringleader. I'm very sorry. Uh, it's where we go. Sometimes that happens. But I will tell you one thing is true. There's peace in this place because the presence of the Lord is in this place. No matter what we do, we can't deny it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. So the presence of the Lord, what is Christmas? One of Jesus' names is what? Emmanuel, which means God with us, his presence is with us. Jesus says, now if we are in Christ Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, which is God's spirit, his presence in us, dwelling in us and through us. I told you my mom loved Christmas, and I would say many of us how we grew up is that way, but I will tell you, it wasn't always the most gifts. As a matter of fact, I would tell you, she would even say, I wish I could have given more. But you see, it's not the presence I remember. It's the person the presence of the person, right? See, that's what it's all about. We want to know what Christmas points to. It ain't about the gifts. It's about the gift of Jesus. That's the ultimate piece. It is the thing. So when you get that, parents, you know, all those gifts, uh, the good, they're good for a day. The next day, they being bad. They being baby's kids right again. Like, it don't matter. It is what it is. That's how it was. Toys are broke. It is what it is. They're ready for Christmas again. And you keep saying, Santa Claus sees you. And they're like, he just came. I ain't worried about him. I got next year. I'm good. Right? The peace is gone. But let's not forget the presence. The presence of Christ. This is why we do church every week. We build the altar like... Elijah does on Mount Carmel or Ezra as he is getting ready for the people going back into after Babylonian captivity. And what do I mean by that is if you remember when, when Elijah builds that altar, he goes and he digs a trench around it. If you haven't ever, if you don't remember the story, you can read it in first Kings 18 and he takes the trench and, and he, he rebuilds the altar to the Lord. He digs a trench around it. He tells him to pour water on it three times. He puts the sacrifice that is the bull there and he asks the Lord to move. Will the presence of the Lord be seen? That's why we do what we do. We pray, we build the altar. Because I can tell you this, it's never gonna be perfect. There's never gonna be a perfect service. And that's because we're not looking for perfection. We're just asking, is the presence of the Lord in this place? And I will tell you, it is. When the, God's people are in the same heart and full surrender to him, his presence are here. When we have worship that's leading us into the throne room, my words aren't going to save you. Only Jesus is. But I'll tell you, the presence of the Lord is in this place. And this is what I mean by this. There's someone you know right now who doesn't know Jesus. Bring them here. Well, but we got to have this and we bring them here. For those of us that are in Christ Jesus, I want you to think about something. Just think, think back to when you confess Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you remember the set list? You remember the worship songs? How about the, the pastor's points? You remember the presence of the Lord. Matter of fact, I bet you notice God's people more after that than you did before. There is one person you remember. 
And it's the person who brought you there. The person who told you you had to come. You see, that's the only thing we can carry with us in eternity is those who are in Christ Jesus. And there's a world searching for peace that needs it. They don't need a perfect worship service. They don't need to have somebody who's got it all together. They definitely ain't gonna find that if they come in here and see me. You know, it is what it is sometimes just to be here, right? If you're trying to get kids ready, you're trying to get to church on time. I mean, isn't Sunday the worst time to get ready to go to church? It's the hardest time because you're trying to go to church and there's every excuse in the world. The alarm clock didn't go off and you just, you know, there's just this, I got this to do after. I mean, the tree ain't even fluffed yet. Like we got to get that going on. Ain't nobody going to see your tree but you today. It ain't going to matter. But Sundays are there. So I would say, bring them here. Bring them here because the spirit of the Lord is here. And I don't know about you, but if there's one thing I want this world to have, it's that. And you know the beauty of that? Whether I'm still on this world or I'm in heaven, that's still going to be here. So I'd rather share that than anything else. So for each and every one of us, that's what we can do is know that peace is a presence, the presence of the Lord. And we can not only build an altar on Sunday, but throughout the week. I'm thankful for our sowers over these past 30 days. Some have been praying daily. Some have been praying Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And the reason that I'm telling you that we did that and some have prayed through our app is we are praying and building an altar. And I don't know, when I look at the word of God and I see his people say, God, we trust you and sacrifice and walk in obedience. We're asking you to show up and move. I haven't seen him not move yet, have you? I went through this whole book. I haven't seen him from beginning to end not move if we have open hands. So that's why we get to share his peace with everyone and we bring him to this place let's finish out verse three through six if you remember give me an amen. amen oh i said three through six i meant three through sixty y'all better get that wage to go i'm just saying there's only 16 verses don't lie each and every one of you i even did it myself you flipped up god he's still so 60 all right here we go it figures up like this let's talk about what jesus is and who he does and, and what he does it says this uh, continuing in verse 3. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But the righteous, he will judge the needy. With righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, will breathe uh, with the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. This is my favorite verse right here. I know it gets exciting, but righteousness will be his belt. Faithfulness, the sash around his waist. Verse 6, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And I love how this ends. And a little child will lead them. See, Christ isn't going to miss your suffering. The injustice, your weakness, my weakness, the season of loss, frustration, failure, disappointment, the time that we want to run as far away from him to a distant land as we possibly can. God has not forgotten us. He keeps going to the mailbox at the end of the street every day waiting to welcome us back home. We have to have the faith to turn and go back home. But I want us to know as we look through this Christ is the righteous judge. I love verse five. This is why I said I love it before we get the last thing that peace is. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. Oh, it gets me excited because this is why. Do you know what he's talking about there? So back in the day, uh, men would wear tunics, right? So you see him now, a tunic is a long robe, an outer garment. And what would happen is, how many folks, okay, here we go. This, this is how we can really, how many folks are always prepared for the rain? 
You got your umbrella, your raincoat, your hat. You got everything. Why God made a grocery bag. You know what I'm saying. All the way through, like, some of you are prepared and some of you are like me. I'm going to get wet anyway. It is what it is. <laughs> you just go on, right? This is what, they were always prepared. When it says that righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness his sash, when men would go to war, they were prepared for it. They would take their, their, their outer garment and they would tuck it in their belt so that they could run into the battlefield. Oh, this will get you excited. I hope it does. Jesus, please move. I know you're here. The righteous king is going to battle for righteousness and he's faithful to deliver. That's what Isaiah is saying. When Jesus comes, he is our deliverer. He is faithful. He has not forgotten us. He is ready. He don't come passively. So that little baby in a manger, he put on our weakness, but it didn't stop who he was. He still went and defeated death, hell, and the grave and the wages of sin for us. And so Isaiah is saying, don't be stuck in 6-1. Get right here in Isaiah 11 and understand the peace of God is coming. Because peace is a person that is Jesus. Peace is a presence that's only found, and that's the presence of creator God through Christ alone. And the third thing is peace is a promise. God has not forgotten his promise. I have yet to see God's promise not come true in this book. In my life, I have yet to see God not come through on his time. Now, my appointment schedule for God is a little bit different, and that's when I get in trouble. Because his appointment schedule don't change, but I try to make it. Like, I'm calling to see if there's a cancellation somewhere in there. Like, I know I'm supposed to win that lottery, Lord. Like, where's it? Like, I, I ain't seeing it. Where's it at? Hey, Lord, I, I asked for that Learjet for Christmas. I ain't getting nothing. Like, what's happening? Like, my appointment schedule for God, when I want my prayer answered and I want it done in my time, it always falls short. But when I trust his appointment schedule and his calendar, his promise is always true. And you know what? When I do that, it's amazing the peace I have. See, I don't have peace when it's on mine. I'm anxious. I'm frustrated. I'm kicking, screaming mad. I'm a toddler in the grocery store wanting a toy. In this grocery store of blessings he's given me. But when I trust him and his schedule, he moves. So let me ask you really quick. We got some, we got some fun here. Yahweh. We talk about that. Yahweh. Who does God, when, when Moses is at the burning bush, here, Moses had a choice, by the way. We talk about faith. Moses had a choice. He could have saw the burning bush, and he had some sheep and goats he was trying to keep over here, and he saw that burning bush. And if you look, it's really cool. It says that Moses turned his attention. Now, when he turned his attention, that means he had faith. He could have been like, huh, that's a great bonfire. Let's go get the s'mores. Like, he could have done that. Or he could have walked to it, and he walks to it, and he gives every excuse why he can't do what God's called him to do, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. But if you remember, he looks at God, and he says, who do I tell your people you are? And he says, I, what church, am. I am. The great I am. Now, did he say, I will be? I may be. I could be. I perhaps will be. He said, I am, church. And if he is, his promise is true. There is no will be, could be, may be. It's true. What he says will come to pass. And that is peace for us. So let me ask you, church. We may be stuck in this time. So I know we say the best is still yet to come. You hear me say it all the time. And I've talked a little bit about where it comes from. Jonathan Edwards, not the politician. It's okay. Uh, Jonathan Edwards but let me ask you, if you're in Christ Jesus, is heaven still to come? Your best days aren't behind you. 
We're only ahead. We ain't gonna have these aches in heaven. <laughs> we ain't gotta worry about these knees creaking, this back hurting, this shoulder hurting. We ain't gotta worry about calories. Woo! Praise Jesus. We ain't gotta worry about GI issues. Praise Jesus. We ain't gotta worry about finance issues, whether the lights are gonna be on or not, because they ain't ever going out. We ain't gotta worry about any of that. So don't talk about our best days are behind us, our glory days. Like we we had spring earlier. So we don't sing about our glory days. We're gonna be in glory forever. That's peaceful. You know what? Yep, the car may break down. All right. The washing machine may be shaken to death. If you know, you know. But I can have peace. I can have peace. When the world goes out, they're worried about everything. The light bill, the grocery bill, the power bill, the work bill, the family that's mad at them, the family that's not mad at them, somebody who just passed away, somebody who's close to passing away, somebody who never talks to them, so it feels like they've passed away. But instead, we can just say, hey, let me tell you somebody who's never forgotten you, who sees you and hears you, and his name is Jesus. And the peace that surrounds that moment is the greatest gift you can give anyone. So as we get here toward the end, three more hours to go. What promise has God given you that you've given up on? See, God, God sang a song to Abraham. He, he, he sang Coldplay back in the day. He told him to look at the stars. <laughs> look how they shine for... I almost say it's awful. Uh, They were not yellow, though. It's okay. Um, We probably got kicked off for that. It's all right. Would you look at the stars? Sun come up this morning. His mercies are new. I've forgotten you. You I feel like he's forgotten me sometimes, right? Especially when I'm lost. I'm disappointed. Frustrated. When I feel like a failure... There's no way he remembered me. He says, Tyler, go outside. See that sun? See those stars that I put in place? Now, if I cared about them, how much more do I care about you? How peaceful is that? See, that's what we get to share. So I want to end where we started. God sees you. God hears you. And God has not forgotten you. See, today I said wear a little Christmas we got a little Christmas. Isn't it crazy? Uh, a little Christmas tree cake can just change your world. Like little Debbie, and I'm just going to be honest with you, zebra cakes, I used to tear them things up, as you can tell, uh, back in the day. Uh, and, and all that is is a, a glorified zebra cake. You can't go wrong with no zebra cakes. I'm just going to tell you right now. And don't get those little thin ones that ain't worth it. You got to get the big old stop sign one. You know what I'm saying? Uh, zebra cakes. But when it's a Christmas tree, it just changes everything, don't it? Okay, maybe that's not the case. Get a Reese cup and a, and a Reese tree. Don't that change everything? Just a little bitty bit, a little tree, just a little Christmas can change. Just a little bit can completely change your attitude. It can completely change the world. As a matter of fact, your kid can be screaming and crying and they see that Christmas tree cake. Oh, it's fine. Like, well, it's forgotten. Everything's forgotten. Everything is good. As a matter of fact, I tried and we're going to keep going. Even a little uh, juniper and pine smell in the house today can change the ambiance and atmosphere of where you are. And your whole mood. Isn't it crazy that Christmas, a little baby, can be born in a manger and give us all the peace we'll ever need? One little day. I want you to think of the thousands of days in all of existence. And Christmas is about celebrating when God 
came down to us, for us, and in spite of us, to give us the peace we've been searching for since the fall in the garden. Think about that. A little baby. A little baby. This is the promise that all of us, it, would, it, it wouldn't be wrapped under a tree, it would be hung on a tree for us, in spite of us. And it wouldn't stay hung on the tree, it would go to the grave, and instead of going to the grave and having the gravestone and placing flowers there every time on an anniversary or an important day, there's a stone that's rolled away, and it's empty to remind us, hey, I ain't forgot you, because I'm coming back for you. That's the little thing that we get to share, just a little piece. Parents, if you just get a little piece in the day, how much comforting is that? Like, you could just take one sip of your cup of coffee and put it down and it not be spilled. That can only be found in Christ. Peace, peace. See, this world will promise you a little peace. We're going to have all these commercials here really quickly, aren't we? They're going to be a little peace. And just like I said, parents, that peace lasts until the toy breaks or until the fight over who gets to play with it next, Right? Because kids don't understand. Your siblings, when you have siblings, they're their toys too. Get over it. Uh, the cool thing, parents, as they get older, you get to play with their toys before they do, you know. So all that to be said, that's what happens. That, that peace is fleeting, but yet Jesus' peace is everlasting. I want you to think about what Jesus did for us as we come to a close here and why he did it for us. Jesus came for us in spite of us in the form of a baby. He's seated high at the right hand of God from the foundations of the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and formless, his, and, and darkness was over the land, and his spirit hovered over the waters. And Genesis 1, and it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light, and he separated. He saw the light was good, and the darkness, uh, he saw the light was good, and so he separated light and darkness, and he called the light day and the darkness night, and there was the first day. John 1, in the beginning, you know, I could, we could rock, rock it all the way along. The Word was with God. He was God in the beginning. Everything was made through him, and in him is life and the light of all mankind, and the darkness is not overcoming. Jesus, creator God. Could he not just step down as a full-grown man? Could he have been like Goliath, like all the way through? Instead, he puts on our full weakness as a baby. You may think he doesn't know what we feel like. He knows what it's like to need a diaper change. He knows what it's like to cry and that be the only form of communication he can give you because he hadn't spoken his first word, even though he is the word. Can you think about that sacrifice? Having it all to giving it all. That's what Christmas is about. Think about that. Think about that for all of us. And why did he do it? Why did he put on that weakness for us in spite of us? So that we could have the promise of peace. That's found here in Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. This is God's promise. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. Really quick, does anybody know how olive oil is made? It's pressed. What happens is it's a, they take it like this big millstone and, and, and they go and they put it in there and it's pressed down. Uh, and, and back in Jesus' day, there would be an animal that rolled over it and it would press the olive first to get the first set of oil. See, that first set of oil was, was 